What does Colgate mean by live life to the brightest? Could it be a rich glass of red sipped inside a Parisian cafe on a snowy night when my gaze is met by a tall, mysterious... I mean, brushing is directed with Colgate Optic White Pro Series Toothpaste gives you a visibly whiter smile in just three days so you can live life to the brightest and finish that glass without worrying about teeth stains. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. So, Sarah Davies, thank you so much for joining us on our Invite Only podcast. How are you doing? I am tremendous. Do you know, I will say I've been looking forward to this all day because every oh, time we great. have a chat, it's all, I always, you know, it's always like, fun. There's interviews and then other interviews. I just always feel really at ease. And, and I just oh, thought, great. Well, thank you so much. I, I thought I'll, I'll look forward to that. I'll not spend all day thinking, oh my word, what are they going to talk <laughs> to me about? I just know it'll be a lovely chat. It's a real pleasure to be in your place of work. I know. How Look similar at this. is this to your home? Uh, so when we built our studio, so these are our studios. You're up in our studios up north here. And what we wanted to do is prior to this, when the company was smaller, I always filmed things at home. So I had like a craft studio at home and the team would come in and film things at home with me. And my husband's just like, enough. At some point, our home has to be our home. It was all right when you were filming a few small bits, but it's not a TV studio. When I started putting lighting rigs up and I was setting (laughs) permanent cameras up, he's like, enough, enough. So the vision for this was build something that was like aspirationally my home. So I have to admit, my craft room is not this tidy. It's not this case. There's crap everywhere. However, this is aspirationally what it would look like if I kept it tidy and I was up. It does. And I actually, I I love that dose of reality. Well, also, we've tidied up for you guys coming. So we've got two studios here. If you see the other one, that's where we do more of the hands-on. So that is just full of craft stuff everywhere. So you've just gone a big whoosh and pushed everything in there. No, we have literally pushed everything into the corner for you guys coming. So normally when we're crafting in here, there's stuff everywhere. It's just clean and tidy in the background. How do you deal with kind of being here and doing all the demands of this and then and then doing Dragon's Den as well? A lot of people don't realise. I I think you see people on TV and for most people on TV, TV is their career. Dragons, it's not. My husband calls it my expensive hobby. Um, <laughs> but, but it feels like that. So, for, so like they have to fit the Dragons filming schedule around, because we're just organising next year's filming schedule at the moment, and it has to fit around all of our work commitments. So, for example, I film uh, big TV shopping shows for the US once a month, so those dates are in. And, you know, Stephen does his talks all over the world. His dates are in. And then Peter has all of his... Be- those are, it's the same for all five of us. And I, the poor schedulers who have to try and, because they, I mean, our, our five PAs struggle to schedule our life, let alone coordinate the five schedules. Um, so it's just, it is just a juggling act, but I think people don't realise that that's this much of my life. You know, there's my whole world, Crafters Companion, my business, that is my life, that is my world. The Dragon's Den is, is my hobby that I do on, you know, as an extra. I guess for me though, I did that and I just loved it. I loved I loved the business side, but then I loved the TV side. And so from there, I kind of wanted to start doing more TV, but still with TV as being my hobby, I, d- I don't want it to be my primary income or my primary career, because I, I love the business and I've worked 20 years to build the business to where it's at. So, so I kind of have Crafters Companion and then this other TV, Blossom and TV career on the side. Is there a point where you have to turn down opportunities? I say no to a lot more than what I say yes to. Really? And I think that's the difference um, when I'm doing this because I enjoy it. I'm not doing it for my career. It's like my husband played cricket, right? And he was really good and he probably could have done it professionally. And he chose not to do that because he said it's his hobby and he loves it. So because he never took money for doing it, he always played his own game and did what he wanted and was master of his own destiny. I only do the TV that I want to do. I don't need to take this gig and that gig because that's going to pay my mortgage that month. That's what the business does. So it means that I'm really selective and I do the shows that I wanted. I love Dragon's Den. The other shows have a great 
big series that the wedding planner show and the new series I'm doing but then also I get asked all the time to do celebrity this and celebrity that but I do the ones I like I did celebrity antiques road trip with Amy Dowden last year because I knew it'd be oh, loads of fun yeah. and I went and hung out with Robson Green on his weekend escapes because I knew I'd love you know, but yeah. but I, I turned down probably eighty percent of the ones of those things that I asked to do. Yeah. I've never done anything that I wasn't doing because I didn't want to be there. Yeah. And I think sometimes you see people on screen and you can tell that's their job or whatever. For me, the TV stuff that you see me. What's is my the passion. most ridiculous thing you've been offered? Or oh, sorry, let me rephrase that. What's the thing that you've been offered that you have least wanted to do? So I always say no to anything that is like a. Um, that relies on you having general knowledge and common sense. <laughs> so, so for example, the big one, um, they asked me to do Celebrity Mastermind, yeah. and it's the same commissioner that commissions Dragons, and she's asked me several times, and she's desperate for me to do it, and I said, look, I'll be really honest, it won't be a good thing for me or for the BBC, because people assume, they kind of think, because you're a dragon and a really successful yeah. business person, therefore you must have loads and loads of general knowledge and stuff like that. And I said, like, I mean, you would never ever have me on your team at a pub quiz. Trust me, I, I am the person that they'll bring along to buy the drinks or to have a lap, but not because I can answer any of the questions. I'm terrible. And so as a result, I'm, I'm like, no. Because it'll shut it. People have this perception that, yeah. well, you're, you're obviously really, really smart, so you must know all this stuff. No, that's, that's not the case. case. So, though, though, I didn't want to <laughs> single out any shows, but that's the one that asks me all the time. <laughs> and I'm like, I just, it's not a good idea. I, I did Countdown a few weeks ago, and again, they've been chasing me for a few years, and it was eventually. Um, my agent rang me and she said, you do realise that all you do is sit in Dictionary Corner and Susie Dent tells you the answers and you read them out. Like, you don't, like, uh -huh. nobody's relying on you to be reading, it's not about how smart or clever, you're not the contestant, you're just Susie Dent's psych. I was like, oh, well why didn't you tell me that a few years ago? <laughs> and I had the most wonderful day at Countdown, like, uh, me and Rachel Riley gossiped about Strictly and got on like a house on fire. And I thought, if I'd realised I would have done this years ago, I mean I remember doing the hit list with Amy Dowden as well, because she was desperate for me to do it. And my knowledge of music is so rubbish. It got to the point whereby they were having to turn the cameras off and, and Rochelle and Marvin t telling us some of the answers, just because we looked so joking? bad. They were like, we, we were getting no points and doing nothing. And so they're trying to give us clues and you, you know this, that, you know, like, and they're trying to, and, and, and me and Amy are like, no. <laughs> um, we were the first people out, you know, we, we were that bad. Oh, but I think I people will be forgiven. They don't expect because you're a dragon, your music knowledge is great. Yeah. But they would expect that my knowledge on something like the chase would be better. Did you actually, was it like you knew the things but you just kind of had a, went drew a blank or were there things that you generally No, we listened, we listened to the songs and we go, oh yeah. So Amy had said her specialist knowledge was McFly because obviously she danced with Tom. Tom. Mm. And um, so they play McFly songs and she's go, oh, I know this one. And she's singing along and I'm like, but Amy, what's it called? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> and, and, and so they're having to go, no, we just think about the second line and it's just say the second line and you'll get the answer. You know, we are that, we were that bad. <laughs> I love that so much. It does sound like fun though. <laughs> <laughs> and I love Amy That's so much. We're always fun. We're always fun. <laughs> I love Amy so much. And she's been such an incredible inspiration, this Strictly. Oh. I mean, wow, what a woman. How is she doing? Do you know, I speak to her on a, on a regular basis. We, we, we became such close friends. Ironically, after we were out of the competition, I didn't see her much in the competition, but she went the week after me. And she was a great support for me the week I went out and I was literally distraught. And then I became a great support for Tom the next week when the same thing happened to him. And through that, me and Amy became, I came close with Tom and Aliash was great friends with Amy. And so through that, I became friends with Amy. And which is why I've agreed to do things like the hit list and celebrity anecdote with Amy, because I just want to spend time with Amy yeah, and have fun yeah. with Amy. And every time I spend time with her, I, I always, the, the friends that I keep around me, I'm quite selective because I have to have people, I'm a high energy person and I have to have people that fill up my tank. And, and I, I need to have, I need to spend time with people where I'll come away and feel more energised and, and, and great. And Amy's someone, I spend time with her and she just fills my tank, is the best way I can describe it. And because she's got such a zest for life and she's so positive and, you know, and, and I spent a lot of time with her at the start of a cancer diagnosis when she wasn't feeling positive and, yeah, and you know, she'd been dealt a bad hand and she was struggling with it. And I knew then that I needed to be the friend that was filling her tank. Yeah. But also, I'm not... 
I'm not the best person. If, if you're a bit down in life and you just want someone to give you a hug and tell you it's going to be okay, I'm not the one to go to. I'm the person who, who wants to fix your problems. So she was upset and I could cuddle her once she cried, but then I'm saying, so what are we going to do about it? How are we going to sort yeah. this? What's the next plan? What have the doctors said? So what are we going like, yeah. I want to fix it. I, I can't just go there, there, it's going to be okay. Because I don't know it's going to be okay and I'm not going to give you false hope. To, but I'll say, right, what are we doing? How are we fit? What's the action plan? And actually what I realised is she's been surrounded by lots of people who could give her a hug and tell her it was going to be okay. I was the one who was like, no, what's the plan, Amy? And, and pushing her to make some difficult decisions. You know, she wasn't sure if she was going to have chemo. And, Such a hard decision. Uh, and, and, you know, I was talking about, it's not my decision to make, but I need to coach her in how to make the right decision for her. And that's, you know, in business, it's like now you get to my level in business, you don't make decisions in business. I coach my staff in how to make their own decisions. That's the, so I'm kind of used to doing those sort of things. Well, I think as well, like she's, she's been such a role model through it because what you have seen is her doing things. You've seen her like, every time I've been on Strictly, she's there. She's, she might not be, obviously at the end, she did the incredible routine with the rest of the pros. She was there the whole time. You saw her in the audience. You saw her talking to this person. You saw her talking to this person. You saw her smiling with this person. That she was what, there. That is what she needed. Yeah. So she lives for Strictly. She, from because and, and what I've realised with the dancers from being little, they are hardwired to dance. It's what makes them happy. And the biggest blow to her, and the big thing when she was talking to me about, I don't know if I'll have the chemo or not, is she said, because if I go that route, I won't be able to do Strictly this year. Mm. And I had to look her in the eye and say, Amy, you've got cancer. Mm. They've literally just cut your boob off. Like you, this, and they are mm. telling you you need to have this chemo to get better. Don't worry about dancing on Strictly. Well, but if I don't dance this year, they might not want me back next year. I don't know. And I said, Amy, you are amazing at what you do. Of course they will want you back. This is yeah. just a blip. It's a tiny amount of time in, 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 in the grand scheme of everything going on. And you are so well loved. Please, it's, it's really important. Get well. Don't see this series about anything else. And, and so I think what I just gave her that confidence to realise... You know what women are like as well, especially we all self-doubt and, you know, she's thinking, oh, maybe as if they have a year without me, they'll, you know, they won't, they won't want me to cut. I said, Amy, they're never going to feel that way. You are, you are so incredible. You're an incredible teacher. You're an incredible dancer. You're such a personality on the show. And she needed to hear that from me at that time. And, and so I said to her, I said, you need to talk to them about how can you be part of the show without being part of the show? Because if that's what's going to make you feel like you can get through this out. and you haven't been cut out. Yeah. That's what, so I coached her in how to go and have she them conversations and she went and had the conversations so she put the back. And as soon as the producers understood what, why, because they were trying to be nice and go, don't you worry about work. You take all the time you yeah. need to get ready and you just take the year off. And, mm. and that's not what she and needed to hear. Yeah. something more tangible. She, she went on without her wig as well. Oh, which was that was. Which the most phenomenal moment. Yeah. It, do you know, and I was watching at home and I saw it and I, I didn't know she was good because when I'd last spoke to her, she was wearing the wig. Mm. It was literally a last minute decision just before the camera started rolling off. I can do this. And I cried. I was just so proud because I knew her hair was everything. And I, it sounds ridiculous because it is to me. It's not, some people say it's only hair. I feel like it's not, it's my identity. You know, it's, and, I'm, and it's, I'd, I'll go out with no makeup on, no problem at all. Mm. But I like my hair done because it's who I am and Amy's exactly the same. She takes such pride in it and, and she was like, um, it's not going to be me. And, and that's when I said to her, you can get wigs that look like your hair and whatnot. So for her to make the decision of I'll go out without the wig on was, was a bigger moment for her than what it will be for most people in that situation, I can tell you. I think as well, it's, it was amazing that she kind of reclaimed it because I think a lot of people don't want to do that because they sort of feel like the message it's sending to the world is that you, you're sick and you're not well. But because she did it in the way she did it, it was such a position of strength. It was such a kind of, and it was like she made it, she kind of made it something positive in the What end. she wants to do is, she knows she's gone through a rubbish time of it and she wants to help other people not have to do that. So for her, it's all about awareness. How can I take any opportunity? So she's prepared, like you say, she doesn't want people to see her looking sick and vulnerable. And But if that's what it takes for more people to go and check their boobs, She'll, she'll put herself through that mm. to hopefully have a positive impact. Mm. And you'll see, you know, when you watch her on Instagram and you see all of her story, every bit of negativity, and then she'll come out and she'll go, so check your boobs. You yeah. know, and it, 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 she's trying to turn her negative yeah. experience into something positive for other people. 
And how has this been for you? Because this must have been really hard as well to see your friend go through this. And obviously you've been a really strong, held a really strong position for her. But how's how's that for you? This is your friend. I think it's harder watching people you love go through things and yeah. go through what you say. It's like, it's like when your kids yeah. are ill. Yeah. You just want to be ill instead for them. Yeah. You know, and it, what, watching someone you love go through it. And it, it wasn't just the cancer diagnosis, but it was the... It was first cancer diagnosis, but they didn't know if she'd have to have chemo. Then she'd have to have the chemo. And then it was, you know, everything with her Crohn's as well. And she had several Crohn's flare-ups in the middle of it where she just goes off the grid, goes quiet for a few days. I know When I'm not getting responses to texts, I fear the worst because I know she's probably in a hospital bed on a drip somewhere. You know, it's dealing with that. And then everything with her foot. And then she, when she was, she'd got in her head, I can dance in the Strictly final. And then everything happens with her foot a couple of weeks earlier. And she's like, you know, I saw her a couple of weeks before at Blackpool. And she's like, so I'm not going to be able to do that now. But then she still did it. And it's mm. just, it was knock after knock after knock after knock. It was awful. Mm. And how is she now? Do you know, she's a lot more positive. She's had a good Christmas and New Year. She's upbeat about stuff. And I just think if she can be on the road to recovery, you know, she's the other side of the chemo now. She'll get the get her foot on. She'll be on the road to recovery. But I can tell you now, her focus is on when do we start training for next year strictly. <laughs> really is inbuilt, isn't it? It really is phenomenal, the strength of the relationships that emerge from mm. these strictly years. It really mm. is. And you've got Jeanette and Aliash as well. Yeah. Um, did you think that they would maintain this this far on? Do you know what? I did because I'd never. People always say it's a journey, and I thought, oh, they're, <laughs> they're strictly the journey. <laughs> but actually, I kind of understand it now, and it's like Aliash. I became so close with Aliash, but it's it's both because I'm spending so much time with him. It's like a, a five-year friendship that happens in five weeks mm -hmm. because of how much time you spend together. But then also you go through this life-changing moment and the only person who understands it is the one stood by your side through it so you develop that bond through that and and yes you know your friends come in and out of your life but it is back to that people who fill your tank up so I make an effort to spend time with Aliash and Jeanette and I think Aliash and Jeanette make an effort to want to spend time with us because they know I know my life's better as a result of it they are the sort of friends that I want to keep my life because of how they make me feel. And through Strictly, I've developed a handful of those people who, you know, I, don't get me wrong, I was friends with everybody on set. I got, got on with all the pros, I got on with all the celebs, but there's a handful of them that have just come, came away and I've kept in my life and I make an effort to see them because I know how much better I feel. And, you know, even just two nights ago, I was I, was, I went to Jeanette and Alicia's house for dinner and I made that effort to, to drive all the way over and spend the time. And, and it was the most incredible evening, totally different to other evenings I've had with them. You know, I was like, how times have changed. We're not going out and doing yeah. tequila shots all night and, you know, dancing at about three o'clock. And it was incredible. You know, Aliash has never cooked for me. You know, it was, and me and Jeanette sat there having a big gossip watch, watching Aliash cook. And, and I was like, this is just, this is amazing. But they're great people. You know, they came on holiday with us twice last year. You know, they just... Yeah. And that for them to give up their holidays, to pay, to fly out, to come on my family holiday because my kids want them there. That, that's how it came about. We had a boozy weekend away and had a fantastic time. And then the kids were like, I can't believe Jeanette and Aliash went on holiday with you and not us. And my <laughs> eldest FaceTimed Aliash and gave him the sob star. I can't believe you went on holiday with my mummy and daddy, not me. Next thing I, I bet know, he was like... Oh, he was distraught. <laughs> Next thing I know, Aliash is telling me, oh, we're coming on your family holiday in May. In, in August, sorry. So when, when we went away in the August as a family, we went away for a week, they flew out and joined us for the weekend of it. And, and I was like, who, who does that? Like, to make my kids happy. That's like, so that's why they did it. Do you have that kind of friendship with your dragons? Two <laughs> <laughs> you, you fancy flying that? Exactly. <laughs> no, no, it's a very different friendship. It's, a, it's, it's a the very different. It, it is. It's the workplace. And so I, I look out of all the dragons, the one I'm probably closest with is Tuca. Mm. And it's funny because people only experience the ones that they, they see Tuca on TV. And I think he sometimes gets a bad rep, especially on Twitter or X or whatever they call it these days. And I think if you knew the Tuca I knew, if it, if it came across it, you'd love him because he, he would do any mortal thing for any person. And, you know, he, the work he puts in with his investments and, you know, and how he helps other businesses. And, and he's just phenomenal with me. He'll, anytime I'm in London and I just need a sounding board, a mentor, someone who's been there and done that, I'll just text him, can I shout you to breakfast, Uncle Tukes? And he'll drop everything and be there. 
oh, and Uncle Tooks. Uncle Tooks. <laughs> and it's whatever I need, he'll, you know, he'll he'll be there for me and support me. And but as a as a fellow business person, and it was his seventieth birthday last year, and he only had a very small nucleus of his close friends and family. There was like a little. It was a small dinner with about fifteen of us, and to be one of them fifteen round the table to know that I meant as much in his life. It's because I just know I'm always asking of him. He never asks me if I can do this and do a mentoring session with him. Yeah. You know, it's always me asking of him, but he obviously must get enough from... I must fill his tank up, oh, is how I lovely. think of it, for yeah. him to see me in that close circle of friends of the hundreds and hundreds of people he could have had there, you know, he wanted me there, and that, that means a lot. It's always interesting to hear about the dynamic between, between you as a group of dragons, because it's sort of, it's a very... It's a very fixed form, obviously a very successful format, but a very fixed one. And you're in a very specific position. And you wonder what it's like when the cameras are off and, and how you guys all get on. Do you know what? It's brilliant. And I remember when I first joined the show, the executive producer that recruited me on Chi, she was called, she's become a great friend over the years. She was also the executive producer on Ultimate Wedding Planner. So she brought me onto that show too. Um, and I remember she was fixated on how Dragon's life is. So yes, this is the schedule during the day. And she's like, and then every night they go for dinner. You are going to go for dinner, right? You're You're going to go for dinner with them every night. And, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll go for dinner. But she said, but they do, they do this every night. And this is like a thing. And you've got to go. And I was like, well, I've got loads of friends in Manchester when I'm filming. So I might not go every night. And I'm going, she's like, no, they, they go for dinner every night. And I get it now. It's a bit like, um, I don't know the way to describe it, but we've got, it, they're really long days and they're really intensive and there's a lot of filming. I mean, I'm in, I'm on set from quarter to seven every morning and if we got out by nine o'clock that night, we think we've done all right. So mm. it's a long day and then we go for dinner, but it's the wind down time and it's, mm. I realise why that's so important because I've developed my relationship with them, not through the time that we spend on set, through the time we spend over dinner. Mm. And how would you sum them up then as dinner guests? What are they like? Uh, so Peter likes expensive wine. Of course he does. Um, it's not, not a surprise there. Then. Very expensive wine. But he's always happy to pick up the tab for all of the wine that he's been selecting. Thank the blooming Lord. <laughs> so, uh, you know, bill, I, I remember, because it's always awkward, because, you know, I don't like, we, uh, you know, we, we always fight over who gets to pay the No, I'm getting this one. Oh, you got last time. I'm getting this one or whatever. And P Peter always sneaks off and pays the bill because 80% of the bill is the wine that he's picked, right? <laughs> and he doesn't like want other people <laughs> to pay for his wine. Right? And I remember one night before we went into the restaurant, as I, on our way to the table, I got my credit card out and I gave it to the server and I said, under no circumstances do you let anybody else pay for this dinner. It is my turn. I'm getting dinner, right? So they brought the menus round and, uh, and I said, oh, bring the wine list for Peter. And Peter said, no, 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 I, f I fancy a G&T tonight. Oh, <laughs> and all night he How just drank gin and tonics <laughs> fairly sizable where do you where do you go we always go to the ivy oh lovely which one uh so we film in manchester oh yeah yeah so um and you just know it's a bit private and people mm. you know they won't let people come over and just take photographs of us and stuff you know it, it's yeah, yeah. they'll put us in a quiet corner out the way so that's it's when like, you can really relax it's, and that's, which is what we need to do yeah so they've done peter yes Stephen. so like? Stephen always fights for the bill with peter as well but he, he's a little bit like me Does he i'll have a win? small glass of wine to so that i can be sociable but you know quite often Stephen goes and works out after we've so we'll film all day, we'll go it's for dinner, and then Stephen will go and work out. Whereas, by comparison, I get up at half past five and run every morning. So I don't want to drink a load because yeah. I'm going to be mm. getting up five hours later and running. So whereas Stephen doesn't get up till half past eight, you know, mm. so it's, and so it's just what works. So Stephen's, and I think we're just that generation where you don't, you know, we don't have to have a couple of glasses of wine on a night to wind down after a long mm. day in the office. Yeah, it's really changed because I actually feel like, 10 years ago, I, I would drink a lot more. It's, it's yes. like I've changed with the younger generation. I would say exactly, yeah. the, sa exactly the same with me. Obviously, he's younger than me still, although only a few years. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, so, that's, so he's a little bit like me. Yes, Peter, I'll have a glass of wine with you, but he's only having half a glass and we're just making it last all night. Um, Deborah's always the same. She does, my Deborah loves an amaretto sour in the bar when we Ooh. get back. She loves an amaretto to the point whereby I learned to make amaretto sours a couple of years ago so that if I had dinner, Deborah around for dinner, I could really impress her with my homemade amaretto sours. <laughs> and Tuka, God love him, if he has too many glasses of wine with Peter, we have to wake him up to take him home at the end of the dinner. <laughs> That is not an exaggeration. Well, that it's, sounds like a great deal. Yeah. I love if it's it. been a long yeah. day and he hasn't said, oh, I'm always like, 
two, come on, our crack's not that bad. <laughs> but it's but the dynamics yeah. great because we all get on as friends. And you do that every time still now. Yeah. Oh, that's really lovely. Yeah. Mm. And it's funny because um, the last season, Stephen kept pushing for. Do we really have to go to the Ivy, or could we try different things? And he oh, really likes the oh, Ivy. He tried to. He tried to push the boundary. So we went to what's it called, flight club. So we went, which I loved. <laughs> Stephen, brilliant. Peter loved. Right, right. But then Peter was like, well, yeah, but. After we finish the darts thing, we're going to go to the Ivy for our dinner, aren't we? <laughs> Don't like, reinvent the wheel, guys. Compromise. <laughs> Baby steps. We've got, we've got them to the flight club. We've made progress. Let's go and have dinner now as Next well. time, five minutes late, longer. Five minutes longer, ten minutes longer. Eventually, he you'll get the whole evening. He's <laughs> the best at darts. Uh, so the reason we did that is because we'd had a pitch in the den a few weeks earlier ah. that was for darts. And believe it or not, I won total fluke because I've got no idea of that like it, it was literally a total fluke but it killed Peter who was obviously half decent at darts that I just shot this high score did he say shot through flown whatever you do I'd got this Lobbed. high score <laughs> so literally after we'd finished on set Peter's still there on the darts board <laughs> trying to and and, and and can't get the you know and I was like Peter just give it up I've won that's it so but we went to the flight club and, and you know you play different rounds and different people win different rounds the darts I didn't do is that so in now, yeah. thanks to Luke Littner. Right. Tell yeah, me about, even I was tuning in to watch all <laughs> this. So was I, I'd, I'd the other day pay for it, I was like, I have to watch it, it was so good. <laughs> that was good, that. So how is the natural competition? How much of it is put on for the cameras and when you're kind of really keen to have someone on in the den? So what you've got to appreciate is most people that you watch on TV, that's their career. So they've been to stage school and they've learned and so they know how to act and everything like that. We aren't. We're business people. So none of us know how to act or anything like that. And also the cameras are kind of in the walls, a lot of them. So there's some on the side, but a lot of them are hidden in the walls. So so what happens is it, for us, they've created the environment that it feels like a, like a boardroom, like a pitch room. So what happens is, and you find this with entrepreneurs and business people, we get really excited and in the moment. So what you're seeing is us negotiating the business deal. And the cameras are like flying. There's not stuff played up to the cameras, or there's no producers in our ears. There's not literally happens as it happens. So everything you see is as it happens. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's curated. They choose the bits that are going to go onto TV. They'll choose the moment to take the camera, giving me a Deborah, me giving Deborah a really hacky look, you know. And then, <laughs> but, but so it's curated for entertainment value. But there's nobody in our ears going. Oh, I'll pop it in for that, you know, or I'll play that. Or oh, we're never coached to do any of that. So it, it, it is real life business. It's more like documentary type stuff than it is a, you know, a, a drama series where people are acting like that because we, we just, we, we don't have the skills to do that. That must we be the secret to its success then because it is mm. so watchable. You just get so immersed in it. It's the same format everywhere in the world. Mm. So I, I know that that's Lions Lair in Germany. It's the same thing. The Sony have been really clever with the format they've done, and that's why it works everywhere because it, they are always genuine business we people. We were mm. talking about this earlier, actually. We were saying, you know, there's not really been a celebrity version or anything like that. Is that because you, you want to keep it authentic yes. and real? Mm. Yeah. So it's and I think you know, other business, like you say, you, you couldn't really make a celebrity spin-off because you need the highly successful business mm. people, as it was that which are yeah. not generally celebrities. Yeah. Mm. it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So how was it having Gary Neville in the oh. den? So I didn't know much about Gary. I'm, I'm embarrassed to admit this, right? But so I knew he was a football pundit and I've obviously heard of Gary Neville. But I don't know what he looks like. I've never met him in my life and I don't watch. So you wouldn't have recognised him if you walked past him in? Well, so I'm sitting in hair and makeup. Oh, <laughs> oh. So obviously oh, I'm no. in hair and makeup from seven. The lads don't rock up until nine o'clock because... 
it takes me and Deborah a little bit longer than it takes them, right? So me and Deborah are in, much. I'm in at seven, she's in at eight. Um, and there was this bloke in the corner in hair and makeup. And, and I'm get, so I'd got my hair done and then I'm round, I'm getting makeup. And so there was, and, I, and I'm going, and, and, and Claire, my makeup artist, is going, who's what? I'm going, Sorry, I'm going round the corner. Who's that? Height of subtlety, obviously. Yeah. And and Claire's going who? And I'm going the guy. She went, what guy? There's only Gary Neville here. And I went, oh, that that's Gary Neville. She's like, yeah. How can you? And she just couldn't compute that I wouldn't know who Gary Neville was. But how would how would I know what he looked like? So he didn't hear you or notice you. <laughs> Thank goodness he did. Does he know that you didn't know what he looked like? He does now. Uh, <laughs> Do you know what? I think now that I know him, I think you'll find that whole thing hilarious. Yeah. You know, a lot of people might be really put out, like, how don't you know who do I you am? Know who I am? Yeah. And actually, he's just normal because. So he was in that morning. He watched us all day just to understand what happens. He then went to dinner with us on the night. Oh, so he came to the Ivy. So, the, so he came to the Ivy with us. Was the first person that infiltrated the, the evening dinners? We'd had Emma Greed oh, okay. as the other guest dragon. Yeah. Um, so she, Emma had been once and then Gary was in, uh, I think Gary filmed after Neville, um, Gary filmed after Emma, if I remember rightly, yes. Um, but he had the dinner on the evening, which meant by the time you got into the den the next morning, he knew what was going on because he'd watched it, but then also he'd built the relationship with us over dinner. Now I understand why Chi always told me the dinners were important. Mm, yeah. So that next day, I had a vested interest in wanting Gary to do well because he was now my mate. I'd hung out with him all night and I loved him. We got on so well. He's a dad. His kids are not overly dissimilar ages to my kids. We had that in common. We talked. He was so nervous. He wasn't nervous about the TV. He was nervous about the business deal side. And, and so I was giving him advice and all of a sudden it you know, a, a lot of men, because there's so much ego, they don't want to admit that they're nervous. I mean, there was no ego with him. He sat down and he said, Sarah, I'm just so nervous about this and I don't know, you know, and I've done extra training with the BBC and they've been great, but I don't, and I was like, right, let me give you my top set. So this is how I do it. When I have my book, I always write, I write this on the right hand side and then I put my questions down here. Then I someone else, I do this, Gary, and then, and this helps me think about it this way. And he was, and he was so grateful for all the advice. And it just meant that him and I got on unbelievably well. And, and I just think that's so, that was not what I was expecting at all. Do you think you'll stay in touch? Oh, yeah, I text him, like, not overly, not regularly. <laughs> so we've got on absolutely brilliantly. So, uh, yeah, he's, he was a, and it was a great addition in the day I was just well. going to say, what did he bring to the show, do you think? Do you know, obviously, so, I mean, I think I was probably the only person who didn't know who Gary Neville was. Everyone walking through the lift doors knew exactly who Gary Neville was, and they picked investments on the day that might be areas that he was interested mm -hmm. in. Um, you know, so that it, in terms of the businesses they picked, I'm not saying they were all football ones, but they were, they were businesses that he might have an interest in. Because, yeah. you know, they are when they're choosing which ones get to come through and pitch, they are thinking based on us dragons and what we'd be interested in, yeah. what, what we might be more likely to invest in. Um, so he, he came in and he, he was just, he asked very different questions to what we did. He had a very, a little bit like when Stephen joined and he brought a whole new dynamic mm. to the den. We had that, but just for the day, you know, just for the the, the episode that he came in for. And uh, it was nice because it meant that we got to have that. And then we experienced a totally different dynamic when Emma came in. Mm. And because she's done Shark Tank in the States as well, she came with more of the American mm. brashness that they yeah. have on that show. So. But this is kind of, I always think it's a little bit of the show's success, isn't it? Because that's what keeps it fresh, having new people, new faces, and people that do make you think, oh, well, I could approach that differently, or yeah. I could do this. Because it's such a successful show, isn't it? Like, oh, and it never feels old. Do you know, it, and it's, I feel like, I mean, 20, 21 series, mm. and, I, and I feel like it's, um, you know, it, 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 go, it goes up and down, you know, in, in popularity. And I remember last year, our ratings and viewer numbers were absolutely through the roof. Yeah, they were massive. And I don't understand, like, in the world, because I'm not in TV all the time, I'd, I don't really understand about the ratings and everything. All I know is they said to me that is the biggest series we've had since 2011. Wow. And you think how everyone, because there's so much more competition in the world of TV, there's more channels to watch now on demand, people don't consume TV the same way, so everything's trending downwards because of the extra competition. To have the best series since 2011 just shows you how relevant that it's show extraordinary, is now. Yeah. It was extraordinary. Is there rivalry between you guys and the guys on this? So we don't, because we film, even though the shows are on at exactly the same time, we don't film with them. 
it's made by a completely different film. So you company. don't cross paths. So even though they're all on the BBC, it's made by different studios. So so actually, I've never met Alan Sugar or Karen Brady, and you know. So I know The Apprentice is a viewer, but we've never like seen them. You know, it's it's not like we go to the NTAs every year and it's us versus The Apprentice. We, yeah. I've just I've never come across them. Yeah. I've, like never. Pass them in the street. <laughs> What's your opinion happen. as a viewer? Do you enjoy watching it? Yeah. I enjoy I think it's really good TV. I think it's more entertainment TV. I think we're more... Do what you see we do is more real-life business. Yeah. Yeah. Fly-on-the-wall type documentary stuff. What's on The Apprentice is it's an entertainment show. Yeah. And it's a hugely successful, massively entertaining show that I watch and I really enjoy watching. But I don't watch it and think that's, that's what the real world's like. Yeah. If uh, Lord Sugar wanted you to be his aide, would you? Oh, I think Karen Brady might have something to say about <laughs> that. Baroness Brady, wouldn't she? So, yeah. Yeah. And what about your show, your new project with the BBC coming up? Can you tell us a bit about that? So I'm really excited about it because, um, you know, I get asked all the time, would I be interested in exploring a new format or doing a new show and anything? And, and because for me to do a new TV show, I need to take time out of the business to go and do that or time out from time I'd spend with my family or whatever. It's got to be just because I want to do it. And the production company that approached me about it went to such great lengths to, to infiltrate my life, to understand me. You know, they interviewed people that worked with me. They'd read my autobiography. They'd really understood me as a person and what made me different and unique. And how do they build a show around that? So the whole show concept was built around that. So then when they presented the concept back to me, I was like, oh my God, that's like me in a show. Mm. It's just, no, you couldn't get anybody else to do that lead role in the show because it was written for me. Yeah. And, and I'm, it's stuff I'm so proud because it's, it's a show about inventors. Well, it's not even inventors, it's regular people off the street. So if you've just come up with an idea, everyone's got an idea in them. Oh, I thought of this thing and I didn't know what to do with it. Yeah. You would bring it to me. I have a crack team of engineers and we'll work out how to make it. So we will, we will engineer your product for you to a prototype stage and then whether you want to go and start a business with it or you want to license it or you want to sell it or maybe it's just like, oh, that's lovely that we've made it but I'm not going to do anything with it. But it's making people's inventions into a reality. And, it, you know, that's what happened to me. That's how I started my business. I had an idea to make an envelope-making board for crafters. My dad's an engineer, so he helped me work out how to do it. And I'm just... I'm giving these other people what my dad gave me and then the opportunity for me to start the business if you want to from it. And I'm, I think because I'm so passionate about it, mm. I, I just can't wait to start. And we haven't started filming yet. We're a month away still from filming. So you don't know what the invention's going to be yet? No, they're, that still, is so exciting. they're still mm. casting for it. So it's, we're still in the stage now whereby if you are someone and you've got an idea, we want to know. Not me personally, the casting team. And, and I, so the ideas aren't coming to me and I'm saying which ones are going forward. They've got a whole casting team. Like on Dragon's Den, there's probably thousands of applicants for the hundred or so that we see in the den. Yeah. But we want to know if you've got an idea, we want to know about it. You know, and, and then they'll, they'll see which ones get to come through to the team for us to make their products. I bet people do come to you personally, though, and say, oh, I've had this idea, or I've got this business. Like, All the <laughs> I mean, time. Walking down the street must be interesting. The worst one I ever had is um, I was in Zara. I was actually picking my outfit. It was season three of The Den. And I was picking my outfit for The Den. And I'd been to Selfridges and looked at all the suits, and it felt so not me. And believe it or not, the personal shopper in Selfridges said, I think we should go to Zara. <laughs> and he came out of Don't, work don't name me. that person by name. He and might be in quite a lot of trouble. <laughs> we picked the suit because it was clear I wasn't going to buy anything that day. Yeah. And then I went and got all my lovely accessories from him. So he was actually, you know, he so did... Uh, cause, yeah. Um, and he was so right. And he, he took me in a, and I picked a £79 Zara suit and that's what I wore that series on the den. And I felt a million dollars in it. Um, but I remember I was in the dressing room, I was in the changing rooms trying all the Zara suits on. And this woman recognised me. And I, I kid you not, I was in my pants. And she stood outside the curtain, talking at me still. Picture, and I'm, I'm at least just she like, didn't come in. I mean, I, that's what I thought you were going to say. I was say. like, you've got to Excuse be, me. You've got to be kidding me, love. And you know when your head's just not in it. And in the end, she followed me to the checkout, and she stood talking at me, pitching me while I was in the queue was going to pitching? buy the suit. I have no idea because I get them so often. And I explain to people, so you know, I, I've committed that I'm going to do all of my investing through the den. So if you've got an idea. 
Take apply. it to the BBC, apply yeah. for the shore, because I'm I'm not doing any investments that aren't through the debt. Specifically, I've made that not right now. Definitely not right now. So, but as much as I tell her that, well, can I just ask your opinion on it? I think it's one of those things because people think, like in business, you need to be quite hard nosed and mm. quite tough. They sort of think it will maybe come off positively for them that that you'll finally just go, oh, all right, then I'll listen to your idea. But clearly, yeah, not like the moment. The first person <laughs> that's been so bold as to take that opportunity. Yes. <laughs> Lots of people you can tell they think they are, and I'm thinking, oh, but you're not. <laughs> so wonderful that your new show yeah. reminds you of how you got into business in the beginning. Yeah. Um, how has, looking back at that moment where your dad had the envelope maker, how do you feel looking back at that moment and how your life has changed? Do you know what? It's, it's funny because it's not like I was a craft enthusiast desperate to make a business in that industry. That was the industry. I had that idea and then I, I, I built the business in that industry that I was passionate about off the back of that one idea. And I, I just think it's, and probably if it wasn't that idea or that industry, it would just be another right. I knew that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I would never have used that word. That was a big fancy word that like girls from pit villages in the northeast of England, you know, you, you don't go to school. What do you want to be when you grow up? An entrepreneur. But I would say I want to run my own business. So I knew I wanted to be master of my own destiny and running my own business. Um, and it was just finding the catalyst to do that. And it, it just all it takes is an idea and a lot of drive to make it happen, which is why I'm so excited about the show, because I think how many people are sitting on that idea but don't have the wherewithal to go and think, well, how do I take it to that next step? And you, yeah, yeah. they just need that help and support. It's also believing in yourself as mm. well, isn't it? And not thinking it's a silly idea or a stupid idea. And that's what I'm so excited about because, so the whole show is, yes, they'll come up and then my team of engineers, because I'm not an engineer, my team of engineers will go and make it happen while I'm talking to the entrepreneur or the, the inventor. I'm talking to them and supporting them and hopefully giving them that confidence and that belief and you know, sharing my expertise and coaching and mentorship whilst their product idea is coming to life as well. Mm. It's so amazing that they targeted you in that way for that show, it was obviously perfect. And it's obviously great that you're getting these offers as well. A lot of it is BBC based. Have you been offered by ITV or any anyone, anything other projects like that that you've been tempted by? Do you know, I, I think I've just made that call of, I like being a BBC girl. Yeah. You know, it's it, it's just, it, I like I like the values of the BBC. Mm. You know, they, they align with, with, with my own values and so, um, and it's great because the BBC are, are giving me those opportunities. So I won't go and look for and pursue other opportunities in other places. And my agent knows that. You know, I don't mind doing little bits of things here and there, like going on Countdown on Channel 4 and things, but I don't want to actively go and look. And, and she, I don't doubt she fields a lot of stuff that doesn't make it through to me because mm. she knows that's not right. So I, I've, I've never said, oh, I'm, I'm only doing something. Yeah. But she knows what, she knows the TV is the stuff I do because I like to do it. And, I, and I'm not, touting around looking for loads and loads of work. I'm just doing the stuff I like to do. And I think for that for that reason, you know, I, I've, I've stuck loyal to where, yeah, where it's worked for me. Mm. I think people think with business, you know, a big driver is the desire to have lots of money. Was, was that a driver? Not in the slightest. I think the, the most difficult thing with all of this is, so what drives me is the success. It's wanting to be the best at what I do. You know, I, I want wanting to make the company as successful, wanting to create prosperity, wanting to, you know, we're based in the northeast of England, we want to create jobs. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's nothing makes me prouder than when we see someone we've brought in on a, an apprenticeship scheme has gone on to, you know, achieve big things and get a permanent job with the company. Because th th those are the sort of things that really excite me that I can achieve. And, and those are the measures of success. That That's... That's what makes me go to bed on a night and lie in bed thinking I've done a really good job today. You know, that, that I, I've achieved something. Not how much money I've got in the bank or how much money I'm worth or anything like this. But the problem is, that's how society measures success. You know, it still pains me to this day that, and I don't do it, but when you go to Google me, you'll see what other people are Googling about me. And the top thing that's always Googled about me, except when I did Strictly, because then it was Sarah Davies Strictly, but all the rest of the time it's Sarah Davies net worth. Because that's how people judge how successful you are. If you're a dragon, they want to know, well, what's your net worth and what's your net worth in relation to the other dragons? Therefore, because how successful are you in relation to this other dragon? Because they base it on net worth. And I know, I know now, because I've done five series of it, 
I know I'm a great dragon. And I know I'm a great dragon because my entrepreneurs that I've invested in are thrilled with me as a dragon. And they'll tell me that, you know, you've helped our business in this way. This is what we've achieved. And, and then other entrepreneurs come into the den to pitch who've done their homework and have maybe even researched or spoken to other people who've been into the den who I'm the dragon yeah. for them. You know, they've understood that and they come in wanting me because they can see the value I add. They don't come in wanting me because my net worth is X and Tuka's net worth is Y, you know. But for people at home, that's how they measure the success. And I just, I don't, I don't want my success to be measured on that because that's not how I measure my personal success. But that's what society dictates because that's the, how people make it a level playing field. But I guess that's so important in terms of sort of staying down to earth through it or having your own barometer of what, you know to be true rather than what Wikipedia says. You, you are so successful. Do you ever still get imposter syndrome or feel, you know, that self-doubt or like oh, fear? Totally, totally. But I'm getting much better at it the older I get. I think I suffered from it really badly in my 20s. And when I got to my 30s, it's a it's a bit of a confidence thing. So for example, all business meetings that I used to do in my 20s, if I was going to a board meeting or I was on the board of directors for a global craft and hobby association, I would always wear a power suit and have you know, hair and makeup done so because that was what felt like I needed to do. It's like an armour, yeah. It is, it's just totally an armour. Um, and I, I was, my, my wardrobe was full of LK Bennett little black dresses or little dark blue dresses or God forbid I had a dark purple one, but they were all dark, but that was the structured <laughs> yeah. dress, you know. And now, I mean, you've come here to me, I had a business meeting earlier today and that's why I wore this. And now I wear bright purple zebra print dresses, bright green zebra print dresses because that's, who I am yeah. and I want and I, I'm confident enough in my own skin that I will go and be me and and I'm comfortable enough that either the me that I am is good enough or it won't be here and I think it was a dragon's example that taught me that so when I got the opportunity for Dragon's Den and I got through the final interview stage and I went to the screen test and, and the the practice run the feedback that Chi the executive producer gave me she says we think you're brilliant we think you could absolutely be the right fit for us. However, you're just a bit nice and it's Dragon's Den. And, you know, we like to see the fire and the grit and you're just really nice. And so I was thinking about this on the train on the way down and I was thinking, it's like a job interview. I can go and be anybody I want in that job interview. I can go and do it. So if they want, they want Gritty Sarah, I'll go and be Gritty Sarah to make sure I land this because this could be the biggest opportunity in my career. And I actually thought all the way on the train on the way down, I thought, I can't do it because that's not me. And you've got to sustain it. And I've got to that's sustain it. So I've got then to, got it, to be you? somebody that I'm not. Yeah. And I, I won't enjoy that. I won't be comfortable doing that. And then worse still, the world is going to see someone that I'm not. The, the one thing I pride myself on now is anytime someone meets me in person, they go, hey, you're just like you are on the telly. Like, they, I am exactly what they expect me to be because I've only ever been nothing but my authentic self. And, and I love that. And, and it could have almost so close to not being the case because I was toying with, should I go and be what they've told me I need to be and fiery? And, and it was a, a thing of, no, I'm going to be true to myself. And if it's not right, then it wasn't meant to be. Yeah. If that, if being myself doesn't land me the Dragon's Den job, then I wasn't meant to be a dragon and I need to make peace with that. And I think from that moment, don't get me wrong, I still feel imposter syndrome. You know, I sat there in that chair on the first day thinking, oh my God, how the hell did I get here? You know, I'm actually a dragon. And for years I'd pictured what it would be like to be an entrepreneur walking through the lift doors, never pictured what it would be like sitting in the chair being a dragon. Because in my head, like, I was too young. Like, that was something you would do when you were older. Ever, course, I was the youngest ever point. at the yeah. time. And in my head, dragons were, God forbid, in their 40s, 50s, 60s. Like, they weren't in their 30s. So it... it and I think it's the more I challenged and changed the norm for myself, the more I believed in myself. And now I suffer from imposter syndrome less because I think it's, and it's things like that moment will be really career defining for me. Yeah. Does anything give you the fear these days? Because I think it's, it's a difficult world to navigate, isn't it? Like it's a lot of anxiety everywhere. It's a very busy world. Um, is there anything that makes you anxious? Um, 
I think quite often meeting other celebrities mm. makes me quite anxious. Well, you might not know if you do. <laughs> <laughs> that happens a lot, like an embarrassing amount, because I recognise them and I don't know who they are. But um, but yeah, and, and so like you, you go back and because I don't know, is that is that celebrity going to be like what I expect? Are they going to be like what I expect them to be? Mm. Or is, is what you're seeing on screen the screen version of themselves and in reality they're different and so I don't know how to be and, and I'm intimidated by them because they could be hugely successful people with millions of followers on Instagram and you know and and and, and that that's really intimidating because I don't in business I can hold my own not intimidated by people in a business capacity anymore that's not scary in the slightest in the celebrity world I, 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 I wouldn't say I feel like an imposter but I do feel like because it's my part-time hobby and not my career. I don't feel like I belong as much in that world or I'm not as comfortable there as I am in the business world. In the business world, comfortable every day of the week. Yeah. It's a comfort zone thing though, as you say. Comfort's the right word, isn't it? Yeah. It's always hard to be kind of not quite in, in where you're used to being. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned getting older there. You've got a milestone birthday coming up, haven't you? April. I'm going to be 40 in April. What are the plans? I'm dying um, to know because when we we spoke um, for your wedding um, a show and you said that you supersized your wedding for your 30th birthday and I you replicated did. your wedding plans. I'm did. dying to know what the plans are for Do the you know, 40th. I mean, it's, it's January now. I should really be getting on with this stuff. <laughs> but I did supersize my wedding for my 30th birthday. And in my head, I'm thinking... Well, if I have a party, we've got to supersize it again because it's got to be bigger than what the 30th was. And of course, now I know what good looks like in terms of wedding planning. So yeah. really what I need to do is get those wedding planners on, planning me the biggest birthday bash of my life ever. This is, I mean, this is a precedent, you know. <laughs> that's, <laughs> the other, that's the other worry. <laughs> then I'm setting a precedent. So as of, as of now, when we're talking, I don't have any plans in place. But Do you I, think Simon has secret plans? Oh, that's, you haven't met my husband, have you not? If you had, you would laugh at anybody <laughs> suggesting that. He is the least, the, he would have no idea where to start other than telling my PA, I think you should organise this. Um, <laughs> he couldn't organise a surprise, he couldn't keep a surprise. He'd, no, he'd be no <laughs> use at that. Uh, my sister said to me, I thought about organising you a surprise birthday party, but then I thought, no, you, you'll probably organise your own birthday party. And so I'll be, and I was like, yep, if I want a birthday party, I'll organise a birthday party. She's like, okay, do you want a birthday party? I was like, I'm still deciding. So <laughs> Okay, I get it. Well, when you decide, let me know. How, so, how um, are you feeling about it? I mean, I don't think there used to be a time where forty seemed a bit scary, and I think now it seems so young. Yeah, do you know, I, I'm all, I'm all right. It, it, it's for all it's a milestone birthday. I'm not really. It's not looming on me as a milestone. What was, what was getting me down is I didn't, I didn't want to be. It, it, I feel like it's um, it's not the start of getting old. But it's a conscious, you know, I, I can't say I'm in my 30s anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, and I've got two kids now. And, and I think the big thing for me is being fit at 40. Not fit as in hot fit, fit as in in a good place in my life fit. Oh. I'll take both. <laughs> and, and being able to, you know, like I, you know, I love running and I was conscious that sin, basically since Strictly, you know, I did Strictly and, and I got to a phenomenal place. I was really fit, I was toned, I'd, I'd lost a load of, well I actually hadn't lost any weight on the scales but I'd toned up and I, and I felt great about myself. And then after Strictly, I just went back to my normal life and, and I got back into bad habits and I got back to a place where I wasn't feeling as great. Um, not, no self-care. You know, if I'm doing self-care, if I'm looking after myself and I'm going running regularly and I'm eating a good diet, and I, then I'm in a good place. If I'm not, then I, then I stop the running and I eat a load of rubbish. And I, you know you know what it's like. You, it's not even about being on a diet. It's just about eating the right yeah. stuff. Yeah. You know, thinking about it a bit more. Thinking, about, thinking about what you're eating. And so, and I just, and I just got into these really bad habits, I, literally from after Strictly. And I watched all of the good stuff I'd done during Strictly, getting so, I think that was the one opportunity in my life to get really toned and, and I felt so good about myself. I got into clothes that I hadn't worn in years. You know, I felt brilliant about myself. And then I, it, it just happened gradually over the kind of next 18 months. And I got to the film in the Dragons last year and my stylist took us out to, to do the stuff for Dragons. And she's so wonderful, my stylist, Rachel Fangoni, she's called. Um, 
because she's so tactful. She never says anything about the size of what she's buying or whatever, or talks about this won't be flattering or that won't be flattering. She just only gives me the clothes that I will be able to do the zip up and that she knows I'm going to look okay in. Can we borrow her? She's unbelievable. <laughs> she's Because um, she knows 90% is how I feel. Yeah. It's actually not about how you look, it's how about how I feel I look. Yeah. So she puts me in the right clothes that'll make me feel good. But we've got the clothes ready for dragons. And I remember, and we had to size up on the jacket and we had to size up on the skirt. And I was mortified and I was utterly distraught. And I thought this time last year for filming dragons, I was sized down to where I would normally be because I was fit and torn and whatnot. Now we've not only gone back to normal, but we've sized up and I'm mortified. And then I've, I spent the whole of the Dragon's Den series, like pulling the jacket down a bit at the back and then pulling the skirt over because I'm conscious of, I don't feel comfortable in my own skin. And and, and, I, and I'm, I was conscious of the fact that I'd piled the weight on, but then also I was trying to get healthy. So I was running, because when I'm in, we film Dragons, I'm in the, the thing of running every morning. And I was running with the, I have a running coach in Manchester. And I can't run as fast as I was running, mm. and I'm getting out of breath because because I was carrying extra weight to what I wasn't I wasn't fit and I wasn't healthy, and I was trying to do the right stuff. You know, we're going out for dinner every night. I wasn't drinking the wine, but I wasn't I wasn't looking after myself. And I just thought, enough's enough. I'm going to be forty next year. I, d I don't want to keep feeling like this. And Dragons last year was the catalyst for us. You know, I, I saw the photos and the photographer took longer doing the photo because I'd look at the photos and then I'd go, no, um, I'm sticking my tummy out there. Sorry, do you mind if we do it again? Or, oh my God, my double chin looks awful. Like, I wasn't comfortable. Whereas now, like the photographer that came with you today that took my photo, didn't worry, I just sat there because I yeah. feel comfortable in my feel. skin. Absolutely. At no point did I feel the need to say to him, can I have a look at that picture? And funny yeah. enough, nobody else was looking at you like that this last yeah. year. It's just you. It's just, it is. Yeah. You're aware of... And I guess the thing for me is that season of Dragons is, is on now and I look at it and I'm really conscious of, oh my God, that was that was me six months ago. And I can, I can see, I can look at myself in the mirror now. It's not even looking in the mirror, it's how I feel. So yeah. what changes did you make there? So I think I just had a right word with myself, a, a right word. And um, the other thing that's really good for me is I need the um, I need the motivation. And I did this um, after I did the um, first season of Dragon's Den and I didn't lose weight. Like you would think getting a primetime BBC show slot, that was the incentive to lose a bit of weight. Like, the only other time in my life I've really lost weight is when I got married because yeah. I had the incentive. And I thought, I'm going to be doing Dragon's Den, I'm going to lose weight because I'm going on national TV. And I just didn't. I didn't get me arse into gear and do it because I clearly wasn't motivated enough. So I went for a Bupa checkup. I booked myself in for a Bupa MOT. And I had gestational diabetes in both my pregnancies. So I know I'm high risk of type 2 diabetes and I'm carrying that over me. So I know there's that. But I need... That's, I need to be scared into it. Mm -hmm. So I went, and I went with the doctor and she went through, cholesterol's okay, this is okay, that's okay. She said, but your BMI is over 30 and your type two diabetes risk is higher because of the gestational diabetes. So unless you get that BMI under 30, this is gonna be a problem. Prevention's better than cure. Let's be dealing with it before you're in the pre-diabetic stage, you know. And she gave me the kick up the behind that I needed and that was, that was a few years ago, which is when I actually lost a bit of weight before I did Strictly. Um, and so I took myself for a booba checkup. So, and I knew oh, she'd just give me a right. It was the same doctor that had done it all them years ago. And so I went, and I think it was July. After, as soon as we finished filming Dragons, I went and, you know, they did all the blood tests, all the checks and everything. She sat me down and she said, I think you know what conversation we're going to have. And so, but, but what I needed to do is talk to me about what are the risks. Mm -hmm. And actually I needed to almost scare me a little bit with, yeah. if you get di, we're not pre, thankfully I wasn't in the pre-diabetic range, but she said, if you get in, she says, we're not far off it now. And if you get to there, then we talk on medication. And then we talk about, she says, if you make lifestyle changes now, we can do something about it. And then her job is to sit and talk me through what are the lifestyle changes and make a plan with me and then hold me accountable. So we just got on the, what's the eating plan going to look like? I know I don't want to be on a diet because then I feel like I'm restricting. Yeah. I'm, I've got to make lifestyle changes and we've got to step the running up. So I signed up for the Great North Run. And I think that gave me something I had to aim for in terms of fitness. And the, the healthy eating plan gave me something I needed to change to. And I, and I did those two. And I, and I start to see the weight drop off. And and actually, I think it was the Great North Run. I, I think I hadn't realised because I'd obviously toned up. 
and I, and I hadn't realised because the scales didn't show anything differently. But Lou, who ran the Great North Run with me, like when we got there, she was like, I can really see how yeah. you've lost weight. And I was like, but I haven't. The scales don't say any different. She said, bet you've lost inches. And the next thing I know is I'm buying the next size dresses down. I bought a size 14 dress the other day. I haven't bought a size 14 dress <laughs> in I don't know how long. Yeah. And I felt great in it, you know, and, and I think it's it's that. And and I'm still 20 pounds off where the doctors told me I need to be. So I'm I'm happy with how I look. I'm not a thin girl. I'm never gonna I'm I'm big boned, I'm broad shouldered, and I'm I'm good with that. But she's told me the healthy range where I need to be, the healthy BMI I need to be at, I've got a target weight I need to get to, and I'm and I'm still not quite there. So I'm gonna keep going. Sounds, yeah, that sounds, sounds like mad. a lot. <laughs> and then I'm going to book in for another blooming appointment so that she can give me a gold star. And it, do you know, but I need that. Yeah. I need that. You've done well. We've done it. But it's the driver for me is being healthy. And I think I'd, I'd, it's not even. I, what I don't want to do is film another season of Dragon's Den or making it or anything and feel rubbish about yeah. myself because I sat in that chair every day when all I should be thinking about is what those entrepreneurs are going to say and how I'm going to negotiate this so, deal. So, and instead, I'm thinking, it's funny well, yeah. my word, how, how am I looking here? That impacts us because men, yeah. I'm sure, don't. I have feel no like idea that. about this sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. no yes. idea. It's mad, and I've been in exactly the same position. Um, but yeah, on that note, it's a, it's a lovely point to leave it on. You feeling happier and healthier than ever. I feel, yeah. I feel great. Do you know if I had to film another season of Dragon's Den tomorrow, I would be happy and comfortable and feeling like that. But I hope, you know, we're a few months away from filming. When we are, I just want to know that I'm healthy as well. Fit at 40. That's the plan. Absolutely. Fit at 40. The right type of fit. <laughs> or both types of fit. What does both, it matter? Both types of fit. We love it. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It's been thank a pleasure. Thank you. I've loved thank it. You so much, thank you. <laughs>